Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Welcome back to the Any Questions podcast. Today we are answering the question, how many kids do I want? So if you're brand new, thanks for listening. To catch you up, I am currently on a conception trying to conceive journey. So I'm not currently pregnant at the time of recording. I do not have a child, have no experience in this whole parenthood thing, but I am on the journey learning what I can and asking all of the questions. So I'm asking the question, how many kids do I want? Because I do think it's important to think about this ahead of time. Of course, knowing that you may change your mind after you have one, maybe you loved it so much, you want to do that again, you can't imagine not, you know, having another child, and you really want your kid to have a sibling, or you have one, and you're like, never again, (laughs) I am so happy, you know, we had a good experience, just the one, or we had an awful experience, and I really can't imagine doing that all over again. So whatever it is, I do think you have to start thinking about it beforehand, even before you um, start on your whole Uh, journey, however you decide to build your family, because it does affect a lot of things. Of course, timing, if you're wanting to have, you know, six kids, and you're wanting to have them naturally, you're obviously going to need to get started sooner (laughs) rather than later. It affects your lifestyle, it affects your budget, um, a lot of things. So it's definitely an important thing to think about. And for me, at least, and I assume for a lot of people, it's really good to set expectations and to sort of think through different scenarios. I think it's very helpful for me to know how many kids my husband and I want kind of starting this journey going into it. Um, so I can kind of, you know, plan accordingly, picture our life, um, be comfortable with the decisions we're making versus having no clue and just sort of like seeing what happens and, you know, (laughs) I don't know, ending up with like 12 kids or something like that or zero kids. So it's really helpful to think through the different scenarios of what your life is going to look like. So I definitely think this is a question you want to think about, um, pre- pregnancy, I guess, pre pre birth. Um, But of course, with a huge caveat that you can change your mind once you once you get started. And if you're not even sure if you want to have kids at all, um, first of all, thanks for listening to this podcast, you can head back to episode two, where I actually tackle that question first, how do I know if I want to have kids if I'm ready to have kids. And then I think this question of how many kids is kind of like a part two to that question. So if you decide, yes, I do want to have kids, Um, maybe you're not sure if you're ready, but you you know, you do want to have kids. This is sort of the second question you got ask, okay, how many? So let's start by looking at the stats. Um, I did, I actually did a little bit of research for this podcast episode. You're welcome. I've got a few stats here for you. So as of 2020, the average number of kids per family in the U.S. is 1.93. I'm in Canada. I assume most of you listening are probably in the U.S., Um, maybe some Canada, maybe some Europe. But I think this number is probably pretty generalized to Western populations. Um, I just went with the U.S. because it was the easiest stat to find, if I'm being honest, the most most updated, easiest one to find. So what I thought was really interesting, so it's 1.93, so about two kids per family. What was interesting was that it was actually um, the lowest it's been in the last, um, what, 60 years was 1.81 in 2007. So it's actually been increasing since 2007, which is super interesting because I think you always hear about how people are having fewer and fewer kids. And, you know, we used to have 10 kids and now we're down to not even two 
Um, but actually it did drop um, in the early 2000s and it's been uh, increasing generally, uh, generally increasing ever since. Um, this chart that I was looking at, I'll, uh, I'll post the link in the show notes, but um, the biggest number, the most kids per family was back in 1965. And that's when this chart started, the 1960s, which was, was 2.44 kids. So it's always been, I mean, if you're rounding, it's always been two kids for the last 60 years. So <laughs> TLDR, the average family in the US has two kids and it's been that way for the last 60 years. But if you kind of get into the data, it has sort of, it uh, started high, went to low 1.8 and then has been uh, on the rise ever since, which I thought was really interesting. I also was reading this article um, from The Atlantic talking about the optimal number of children, and it was really cool. So um, let me read this to you. I'm uh, quoting from the article, which again, I will link in the show notes. It says, one study from the mid 2000s indicated that a second child or third didn't make parents happier. If you want to maximize your subjective well-being, you should stop at one child. A more recent study from Europe found that two was the magic number. Having more children than that didn't bring parents more joy. In the United States, nearly half of adults consider two to be the ideal number, with three as the next most popular choice at 26%, and two is the favorite across Europe, too. So I thought it was super, super fascinating. This article was really cool. Um, definitely check it out. They sort of run the gamut of anywhere from like zero to four being the ideal number, depending on who you talk to and what uh, factors are most important to you in your decision making. But I thought it was really interesting that, um, you know, generally speaking, I think we know that having children generally speaking, makes people happier overall, more fulfilled with life. Of course, there are dips in happiness, like, you know, that first year when you're not sleeping very much or the first few years when you're, you know, potty training and all that sort of thing, there are definitely dips in happiness, but overall having kids makes people happier. But I thought it was interesting that there were studies coming out saying, you know, it's not like more kids doesn't make you more happy uh, or happier. <laughs> um, and also super interesting that there's this difference between like the ideal number of kids that people think they should have or that they want to have versus what the data actually shows is like the optimal number that's going to make you the most happy. But again, everything really does seem to center around that two. Two is the number that comes up the most in terms of what people want. And even, you know, research showing that like two is a really, um, it's a good number. It's really popular. And they did a little bit of thinking on this in the article as well. And they talked about how um, the societal norm is two. Like a lot of people, if you just have one, you know, people will start bugging you. When are you having the next one? Don't you want to give your kid a sibling? How selfish. Come on, you've got to have more. Um, a lot of parents will stop once they have one of each, if they have one girl and one boy, which of course you would need to have two in order to have one of each. So that's another reason why two is really popular. And some of the people in the article were saying, well, if the societal norm was three or four or one, maybe that would change people's expectations. So it's a lot of, you know, the data influencing people, but also, you know, societal norms influencing people, what they see in their families. And I think it's really hard to take these like population level data points and apply them to your own life. Because yeah, great, two might make most people happy or three or seven or whatever it is. Um, but I am one person and I need to make myself happy. So it doesn't really matter to me what the general population <laughs> thinks if my opinion is different, which I think is going to be a lot of uh, child raising. <laughs> The article ends with this quote, in general, the experts I consulted agreed that the optimal number of children is specific to each family's desires and constraints. So again, a huge TLDR. Um, it's as many kids as you want is really the optimal number is, is what you want uh, in terms of what's going to work for your family and what factors you're going to consider. So let's dive into the different factors you might think about when deciding how many kids to have. 
The first factor you may want to consider, and these are not in any particular order, but definitely is your happiness. So overall, you know, studies show that, um, you know, parents do feel fulfilled and happiness in their life because they've had children, but there is that, you know, that little bit of a dip when you first have a child. And I think a lot of people, when they are worried about having kids or having more kids, it's those first few years that really stress them out. A YouTuber I was watching, actually, um, she recently uh, announced her second pregnancy and she talked about how she made a pros and cons list to having a second baby and all of the cons she thought of were things that would not be an issue after the first like year or two which is so true right it's like the sleepless nights the potty training the feeding the diapers all these things they are stressful and they're a lot of work I imagine I haven't done it yet um, but they're so temporary right you then have a whole lifetime with this child and I think as you know want to be parents as hopefully soon parents you think so much about those first few years about you know what you're going to put the cute outfits you're going to put your kids in and how you're going to teach them how to swim and you're going to take them to you know see such and such a relative or go to this really cool place with them and all these other things but you don't really think of like what about my 16 year old kid what about my 25 year old kid what about my hopefully I live to see it 50 year old kid, right? Like what's that going to be like? What's it going to be like to have a relationship with my child as an adult? What's it going to be like to have grandkids? Like those are huge times of life that are, you know, harder to picture. I think when you are picturing your own little baby, it's hard to then think of your baby's baby, <laughs> your grandkids, but inevitably, you know, those periods of life, your kid as an adult is that's going to be a lot longer than your kid as a baby or a child. So something to think about your happiness not just you know in the early stages of childhood but also um your happiness kind of down the line in your child's adulthood <laughs> the second thing you may want to consider is your child's happiness there's a lot of talk of like oh you have to have you know you have to give your kid a sibling because of course like don't why do you want them to be sad why do you want them to be lonely you have to give your child a sibling which again i think is one of those things that like sure the data may say something population level may be true but if it doesn't work for your unique situation then throw this out so here's another quote from that Atlantic article it says there's evidence that having siblings improves young children's social skills and that good relationships between adult siblings in older age is tied to better health the more sibling however the more siblings one has the less education one is likely to get and this is due to resource dilution however they then go on to show that resource dilution so the fact that um, parents have limited resources and if they have um, you know seven kids those same resources have to be split between seven they go on to show that this isn't quite as like black and white or finite as people may think because it's usually not a case of um, you know parents saying okay we only have you know ten thousand dollars to send our kids to college so if we have one kid they get ten grand if we have two kids they get five grand if we have four kids, to, to, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to do math on the podcast, but that's usually not the case. It's usually a case of, hey, we've saved up 10 grand. Oh, we just found out we're expecting again. Okay, we're going to start saving again, or we're going to, you know, budget differently, or we're going to, whatever, look into scholarships or cut back on eating out, something like that. And similarly, the article gives an example of, you know, if a parent is reading a bedtime story, it's not like they have to read two bedtime stories to two kids or three bedtime stories to three kids. They can read one story and all 17 children can sit in bed and uh, and listen to the story. So parenting resources are not as finite as they might seem. So while, you know, things obviously do have to be split between siblings and there's only so many hours a day, so much money in the bank, it's really not as black and white as you might think. So yes, the evidence does seem to point to 
um, having siblings being a good thing for a child, but I don't think most people would make their decision based purely on that evidence. It's the kind of thing where if you were deciding to have more than one kid, this is something you can point to as like, oh, I'm doing this amazing thing for my child. But if you're not, there's so many other amazing things you can do for your kid, right? Like you might be able to say, hey, I'm actually going to be able to stay home with my child because you know, I can afford to take more time off or I can afford to put my kid into this really cool camp or school program or swimming lesson or whatever it is. So I, I'm coming down on this one quite a bit just because I don't think it's a good enough reason to have a second, third, fourth, fifth child just because uh, your child might have better social skills or be in better health. Because again, population level doesn't tell us anything about an individual person. It's not like just because you have two kids, your kids are going to die at 100 years old of old age peacefully in their sleep. Not true. I'm sure you know lots of people in your life who, um, you know, have been ill or have had illnesses and they have siblings. So it's it's certainly not um, a direct causation of if you have siblings, you are therefore uh, going to be healthy. So not a way to look at that. Speaking of population, that might be another thing that you consider when you're deciding how many kids to have. So you may look into, um, you know, if you want to have a lot of kids or fewer kids based on how that's going to affect your population. So here's another quote from that Atlantic article by Miko Merskala. Um, and Miko says, nothing guarantees that the number of children that is good for me is also good for society. And I think that's so, so powerful about how you really do need to make decisions based on you and your family, your needs, and not just society. Because of course, you know, it goes both ways, right? So there are certain societies and populations like in Japan, for example, where they have a really low fertility rate. And there's this worry that there's not going to be enough working class people to support the elderly. They have a really um, long, long longevity of life. <laughs> People live to be really, really old in Japan, so they're going to have a huge population. I think they already do have a very large population of elderly people, and they are, um, you know, the working class is just not going to be, there's not going to be enough people to sustain them, and that's a huge problem. And then on the other side of things, you know, you have populations where there's a really high fertility rate, and it's, of course, it's a huge strain on um, public resources and natural resources as well, right? We're all super conscious of, you know, climate change and how we're sort of ruining our environment. And I remember reading an article a long time ago that said, like, the best thing you can do to help, um, you know, protect against climate change, it's not recycling, it's not driving an electric vehicle, it's not composting, it's it's not having a child. <laughs> Just, the, you know, creating one human life puts such a huge strain on the environment, and it makes up for, you know, the bajillion of plastic bags you want to use, which again, of course, you know, makes sense on a population level. And if we all committed to that, maybe climate change <laughs> wouldn't be an issue. But on a solo level, as an individual person, it's really hard to say, okay, I'm not going to have a kid, even though I really want one. Um, or I'm not going to have two kids, even though I really want two, just because, uh, you know, it's going to be worse for the environment. It's very hard to make a personal emotional decision like that based on protecting the environment. The next thing that you may want to consider when you are deciding how many kids to have is money. And of course, this is a, a huge one and really truly where our decision stems from. Money is a big part of it. So again, a little research here. The U.S. Department of Agriculture 
says that the average cost of raising a child to the age of 18 is $233,610 as of 2015. So that's a quarter of a million dollars to raise a kid to the age of 18, and that does not include college funding. So the top costs included in this are housing, so additional housing. If you are going from you know a single person or a couple to a family of two, three, four, five, you likely need to move into a larger space. Uh, the next top cost after housing was food, and the next top cost after that was childcare. So the three big ones were housing, food, and childcare. Um, they do go out or go. <laughs> go out on a limb, not out on a limb, they do point out as well that each additional child costs less. So it's not like you have to pay a quarter million dollars for each child. That's the first child. And then you would assume the second child would cost less. Um, just things like, you know, hand-me-downs, you don't have to buy brand new clothing for the second child. Um, if you upgraded to a minivan, that is going to, you know, hold a few kids. It's not like you have to buy a new car every time you have a kid. If you moved into a two-bedroom, perhaps your kids can share a bedroom, so you don't immediately need to move into a bigger house. So not every child after the first one is going to cost a quarter of a million dollars, but they're still going to still gonna cost a pretty penny. The food costs don't change very much. Uh, Childcare likely won't change very much if you're paying, you know, daycare that's per kid. It's not, uh, there might be like a sibling discount, but it's not like you are, are getting like a freebie or anything like that. So money is definitely, definitely a huge component. And I think a big factor when it comes to deciding how many kids to have. And it's not just, you know, when you sit down and think about it, like, oh, how much does it cost to have a kid like you just you know buy them a few little clothes and whatever that's pretty cheap but it's it's truly not just you know the outfits or the paints or the barbie dolls or whatever it's big costs like having to move into a different house and you know paying higher rent or higher mortgage it's having to feed another person a growing person for 18 years it's having to buy another car and drive to schools and practices and meets and competitions it's healthcare if you don't have you know healthcare coverage or if you don't have full healthcare coverage that's a lot of out of pocket expenses so there really is a lot of money that goes into raising a kid for sure the next factor to consider when deciding how many kids to have is your career. So, of course, depending on where you are in the world, you're going to have different uh, parental leave policies. Here in Canada, we are entitled to, I think it's up to 18 months off um, where your job is protected. So you're allowed to take that time. Eight, I say 18 years, uh, 18 months. <laughs> not sure what I said. 18 months off where your job is protected. So you're able to leave your job for 18 months and then come back. If you pay into employment insurance, which if you're a regular employee, um, that's deducted from your paycheck anyways, you can get a small stipend from the government during that time. And depending on your company, they may top it up. So you're making um, a livable wage. If you don't pay into employment insurance, for example, if you are a freelancer or a contractor like me, <laughs> there is no money uh, waiting for you there. However, um, I think there are still some protections from the government. So it's it's something to weigh. Um, but of course, there are places in the world where you can take like two or three years off completely paid, no problem, the government supports you. And then there are other places where you can take like four weeks off and it's unpaid and hopefully you get your job back. So it truly depends on where you are. And I think that's going to really factor into um, 
your decision here when it comes to your career and how many kids you want to have. Because if you have to take off a lot of time to raise your child, perhaps for childcare, if you don't have an option to have um, to pay for childcare or to, you know, put your child into some sort of like a nanny share or you have relatives who are able to support if you have to take time off work or leave work in order to take care of your child before school, before they're able to go to school. So <laughs> from like, you know, zero to four or five, then that's going to be a really huge factor. Um, and if you are able to take time off, how how often are you able to go on maternity leave or paternity leave every couple of years? Can you just do it one time? Can you afford to take a break in your career? Do you want to? There's a ton. I'll probably do future episodes on how careers and kids kind of intersect. But there's a lot of questions there that really depend on uh, where you, in the world you live, what sort of supports are available to you, what company you work for. A few other things you might want to consider would be uh, lifestyle. So things like travel, that's really huge for um, my husband and I. We definitely are big travelers. We, well, in pre-COVID times, we were living abroad. We travel internationally a few times a year. So for us, that's a really huge thing. And obviously going from no kids to one kid is probably going to be the biggest transition. But even if you are considering adding more kids to your life, that really does affect your lifestyle. For example, if you're big travelers like us, having to buy multiple plane tickets. Perhaps you're not able to travel as often because you have to save up for, you know, multiple plane tickets, multiple hotel rooms, multiple everything that you're buying while you're traveling. Um, perhaps just the idea, you know, maybe you're someone who likes to go out late at night or you have a ton of hobbies or you like to get together with friends or do road trips or whatever it is, whatever your lifestyle choices are. Um, having multiple kids can change what those things look like. For example, if, um, I don't know, if you're someone who loves to go out dancing, if you're like really into, I don't know, maybe you're really active in your salsa community at home and you're okay taking, you know, some time away from that when you have a baby, but you don't want to have three babies and have to take off, you know, lots of time from that part of your life. So there's a lot of things to think about um, when it comes to planning how many kids you want and the type of lifestyle that you want to have. And of course, being able to afford it as well. A lot of these things do come back to money because I think not that money solves all problems, but truly, if you have money, you can throw money at a lot of these problems. So um, you know, if you are that salsa dancer, if you have a ton of money, you could, you know, afford to have someone come and take care of your kids so you can get back to dancing as soon as possible or do, you know, private dance lessons in your home or something like that. Um, the last thing that I think is important to consider when you're deciding on how many kids to have would be your mental health. So we've talked already about your happiness, your children's happiness, um, population levels, and, you know, the uh, environment. We've talked about money being a really huge one. We've talked about career. We've talked about lifestyle. But lastly, I think it's important to mention mental health. Just the toll of um, if you're if you're carrying the child, be, you know, being pregnant, um, trying to conceive. It's a it's a whole journey. Um, having to you know give birth. There's a lot of people do experience trauma during birth, and that's something they may not want to revisit. Um, having to raise a child again, the idea of dealing with, you know, this, the stages of life that you had to deal with, with a little one, having to do that again, having siblings, dealing with more than one child at a time, more than two, more than three, having to handle all of that definitely takes a toll on your mental health. And there's um, a YouTuber I watch who just started her own podcast, I believe it's called Mother in the Making. Um, 
Ashley uh, is her name as well. And um, love her podcast and her YouTube channel. So definitely check her out. But she talked a lot about not um, not being super excited about her second pregnancy because it did kind of catch her off guard and sort of the mental toll that that takes. And just even the mental toll of being a mother, a parent in general, and how scared she is to have two and to have even fewer freedoms in her life. And I think that's something that we don't hear about very often. It's not something we talk about. And I think doing some thought experiments on the mental toll of parenting is really important and how that would be affected by uh, having more than one kid. And again, it's not the type of thing where, you know, if one kid takes up 50% of your mental energy, two kids take up 100%, three kids take up 150. It's definitely not, um, I would say each, you know, progressive child is probably taking up a little less energy since you don't have to exert yourself as much to care for two. Um, But it's definitely going to take up more uh, mental space. So definitely something to think through. So now getting into it, I'd love to talk a bit more about our decision, sort of where we're at, having considered all of those factors, looked at the stats, looked at the data, uh, what we are leaning towards. So it may have been obvious already throughout this conversation, but we are likely doing the uh, one child, only child, the one and done (laughs) situation. Um, That's where we're at right now. And of course, as I mentioned off the top, we might change our minds. Maybe we will really love the experience of, you know, getting pregnant, being pregnant, giving birth um, having a baby, raising a child, we'll love it so much. We'll want to do it again. Maybe we'll really have this strong desire to give our child a sibling and grow our families. But right now we are planning just to have one child. And, um, the, the biggest reason we're doing that is, is probably money (laughs) to be, to be quite frank. Uh, we currently live, um, downtown in a big city, we don't have a car. Uh, we have a one-bedroom apartment that's really amazing. It's right by the water. It's walking distance to my husband's work, walking distance to my mom. Big patio, gorgeous light. Uh, we really we like our lifestyle, and I know that sounds selfish, um, but I truly think that I'm going to be a better mother if I can live in a city where I can walk to parks and shops and restaurants, and I can be outside with my child in a space that I love versus shipping myself off to the suburbs where I can afford, you know, a three bedroom house and I'm completely isolated and I never go out anywhere and we have to drive everywhere. Like to me, I don't think kids have to be raised in the suburbs. I don't think you have to have a house to have a great childhood. I grew up in cities. I grew up um, as an only child, essentially. My dad remarried when I was 13 and I um, got a step sibling and then a half sibling. But for a long time, I was an only child. And when I was at my mom's, which was half the time, I was an only child. So I sort of grew up as a pseudo only child. And I really enjoyed my upbringing. I loved growing up in a city. I loved having the culture and the like the loudness. I used to joke that like I couldn't fall asleep unless I could hear streetcars and sirens going. Um, I think it really gave me a lot of skills going into adulthood and it made me really adaptable and it also made me really appreciative of other cultures, other languages, other cuisines, other people. Um, A lot of like street smarts, not that I'm, you know, (laughs) some like rough and tumble person, but I really appreciated that upbringing and it's something I would want to give my kids. And yeah, of course I missed out on things. You know, I wasn't part of the soccer teams and I wasn't, I don't, I can't ride a bike (laughs) because that wasn't ever something I really learned growing up in a city, but the trade-off I think was well worth it. And I think it's really inspired a lot of parts of my adult life that I really enjoy. 
my husband, um, actually the complete opposite. He grew up totally in the suburbs, uh, lived in the same house his whole life, big rancher house. But as an adult, we've had experiences living out in the suburbs as well as downtown. And he really loves this lifestyle as well and thinks this would be a really cool place to raise a child. Um, he also kind of grew up as like a pseudo only child uh, with his mom and dad. He was the only kid um, from their marriage. However, his dad had children from a previous relationship who were 15 years older than him. So he did have um, half siblings, but way older and didn't really grow up with him. So both of us were sort of raised as, you know, only children or pseudo only children. And we both had really happy childhoods, really good family dynamics. And I think there were points where probably we both wanted siblings, him more than me. Um, I really felt like I had great connections with friends from school, um, cousins, and things like that. And I, it never, I never remember feeling lonely as a child. I remember being very um, entertained by myself. Like I, <laughs> I love to draw and play with dolls and things like that. And I kind of had a great imagination and was happy to play solo. But I also, my parents gave me so many opportunities to hang out with friends from school and to see my cousins and to really grow um, a network of people around me to the point where I never was like, oh man, I wish I had a, kid, a sibling here to play with. That was never a thought that crossed my mind. I think my husband did have that thought. And I wonder if that's, um, I mean, everyone's different, but maybe it's a feature of being in the suburbs and being farther away from people. Whereas, you know, when I lived downtown, I lived in a condo building and my best friend lived 10 floors above me. So getting together was super easy. And I walked to school. So I would see all the other kids coming in, you know, and it was really easy to create a network of people because we all lived so close to each other and, you know, we're spending time in the same areas. Whereas in the suburbs, when, you know, you have to get driven by your mom in the Subaru <laughs> to get from place to place, it's harder to form those connections. Um, this is just me talking from my own experience and sort of making some stuff up about what I think is the reason <laughs> why I had a very different experience than my husband did. But uh, we've talked about it and even, you know, even if there was points in our lives where we had felt lonely or we had wanted a sibling, we don't think that for us, and this is very much for us, we don't think that's a good enough reason to have a second child. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have a second kid just because my kid is lonely. I would rather put my kid in classes and work on their friendship group and, you know, have them spend more time with family and <laughs> have them sort of develop skills so that they don't get bored rather than decide, okay, we're making this huge change to our lifestyle, to our family, putting ourselves into financial strains in order to have a second child just so you're not lonely. For me, that's not a good enough reason. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be, um, I don't want to say selfish because that sounds bad, but I think it's okay to make choices that are going to work for you and for your partner and for your lifestyle. And that's going to make you a better person and a better partner and a better parent um, and not have to do everything in service of your child. Because like I said, I grew up practically as an only child and I truly do not remember feeling lonely. So I think my parents, even though they were divorced, even though they lived, you know, in different places, um, I think they did a really great job <laughs> raising me. So good job, mom and dad, if you ever listen to this. Um, but that's where we're at. You know, we decided on the one and done for now. I'm, you know, we might have that first one and completely change our minds, but it's just going to be the right decision for us where we're at 
uh, financially. It allows us to stay, you know, we're currently in a one bedroom and I really do believe we can have a kid in here for the first at least few years of their life. And it's going to be so amazing because it's a really great apartment. We have a huge, huge patio um, walking like across the street from the water, from big parks. Uh, it's going to be a really awesome place for them to grow up. It also means, you know, we can save costs. We don't have to move into a larger apartment or a house anytime soon. We don't have to buy a car if everything is still walking distance for us. Like I said, travel is a really big uh, part of our lives. So having just one child obviously makes that more affordable and easier to handle. Um, I know some families that have, you know, four kids and I can't even imagine traveling with four kids, but of course people do it, right? So this is just... Um, what we think is going to work best for us and our lifestyle. So that's where we're at. You might be nodding along to that. Yeah, I just want one too. Or you might be shaking your head saying that's crazy. I definitely want two, three, six, 12, however many you want. Um, as this episode has, you know, probably shown you, there is no one right answer. It truly is what works best for you and your family. Uh, regardless of the stats and the data, it's all about making that decision that's going to work for you, your partner, your family, any children you already have, looking at your support structures and the different scenarios in your life and how they would play out if you had one versus two versus three versus 17. So I hope this was helpful. I hope hearing how we've come to our decision and the different factors we considered was helpful for you and could inspire some thinking. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.